0: Welcome back to The Landscape, your show about America's parks and public lands. I'm your host, Kate Gretzinger, with the Center for Western Priorities. Today's show is special. It's part of our Road to 30 postcard series in which we highlight efforts to preserve special places around the U.S. The Grand Canyon is arguably one of the most special places in the country, if not the entire world. And that's what today's episode is about. We're talking to two Havasupai tribal members about the proposed show Ita Kukveni Grand Canyon National Monument. But before we get to that, let's do the news. The White House recently announced that it will be requiring federal agencies to put an economic value on nature, specifically the benefits that ecosystems deliver for people. In a joint blog post, the heads of the Office of Management and Budget and Office of Science and Technology Policy Explain that these benefits, which the White House calls ecosystem services, are often sidelined in the benefit-cost analyses the government agencies use to make sure policies are having a positive impact on Americans. For example, wetlands protect property from flooding, and while trees have value as an agricultural product, they also provide shade, climate benefits, and wildlife habitat when left intact. The White House's draft guidance instructs federal agencies to ensure that they are considering these ecosystem benefits during their decision-making processes. The New York Times made a great video earlier this year featuring British economics professor Sir Partha Dasgupta and actor Alexander Skarsgård explaining the value of nature. We'll drop a link to that and to the White House blog post into the show notes. Today, we're here to talk about the proposed Bajnuavjo Ita Kukveni Grand Canyon National Monument. The proposed monument would partially surround and help protect the Grand Canyon National Park, as well as the communities that live in and near the canyon. The monument is being proposed by a large group of tribes called the Grand Canyon Tribal Coalition, which includes members of the Havasupai, Hopi, and Hualapai tribes, as well as the Kaibab Paiute Tribe, the Las Vegas Band of Paiute, the Moapa Band of Paiutes, the Paiute Indian Tribe of Utah, the Navajo Nation, the San Juan Southern Paiute Tribe, the Yavapai Apache Nation, the Pueblo of Zuni, and the Colorado River Indian Tribes. We have two members of the Havasupai Tribe here with us today to discuss the significance of the proposed monument. Carletta Toulousey, a formal tribal councilwoman who has helped lead the effort to establish the monument. Carletta, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having us. And Stuart Chavez, who is a former tribal councilman and serves on the Havasupai Anti-Uranium Subcommittee. Stuart, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yes, thanks for having us.
0: So the first half of the proposed monument's name, Baj Noavjo, means where tribes roam in Havasupai. Carletta, what is your tribe's connection to the Grand Canyon and the proposed monument?
2: The Havasupai tribe's connection to the canyon goes all the way back to our creation stories. Uh, we have creation stories that helped us understand who we are as Havasupai people and who, why we should be residing in this canyon. And so all and around the Grand Canyon, there are many stories and evidence that show the existence of our Havasupai people that stem all the way back in time immemorial.
3: Stuart, the word Havasupai itself translates, as I understand it, to people of the blue-green water. Clearly, there's quite the connection between the Havasupai people and the Colorado River. How has the Havasupai's connection to the river evolved over time?
1: Well, I don't believe it's necessarily evolved. It's more or less been a common uh, practice, a common connection that we've always had. Um, the Havasupai people were known as Havasupajah, which is the people of the blue, green water. Um, and Havasupai, for us, it's, a, I guess, a basic understanding of the elements. We've always um, had that general respect for it being a living uh, element, a living thing. And so the Havasupai people have always um, had that that gift of having that connection and intimate connection with each of the elements more or less uh uh, the water
0: Stuart, what are some of the specific threats to the havasupai tribe that the proposed monument would address
1: the proposed monument would be able to protect um our ancestral lands uh the archaeological sites that are within the region there um as well as um how do I say that our traditional um, locations, areas that are known to have a suit people, but not known to outsiders.
0: Could you also um, talk about some of the threats to the water and in the way the monument would help protect the Colorado River at large?
1: Yes, most certainly. Um, So the National Monument, the reason why we had been aiming for it is to prevent any further uranium mines from being developed in the Grand Canyon region. I should say in and around the Grand Canyon region. Uh, Any kind of mines that are out there, there's a huge possibility of them contaminating the aquifers that are within the region. There's two different large bodies of water that are beneath the current mine, Pinyon Plain Mine, uh, formerly known as Canyon Mine. And uh, by contaminating that water, it's an immediate uh, threat to the Havasupai people because the R aquifer leads directly into the village as well as different um, side aquifers that lead into the Colorado River. Uh, one of the things that we've been I've been saying uh, the last couple of um, years at this point is that when that water is contaminated, it easily trickles into the Colorado River. Many people within the Phoenix metropolitan area, Flagstaff area, Eastern and Western region of the United States all benefit from the water of the Colorado River. So it's an immediate threat, not only to us, but also future generations. Um, so unfortunately, Pipe being at the front lines of this, we've always been there to protect that water for individuals across the country.
3: Carletta, help us understand the geography here a bit. Obviously, there is already a national park at the Grand Canyon itself. So why is a a new national monument designation necessary in addition to to what's already there with the national park?
2: Uh, Thank you for that question. Um, The national park is surrounded by the Kayabap Forest Service lands. Uh, overseen and uh, operated by the Department of Agriculture. And um, there is, uh, that is what considers uh, public lands. And on public lands, which surrounds the Grand Canyon National Park on the North Rim and the South Rim, there a little over a million acres have been set aside for no new uranium claims. Uh, when the Department of Interior, Ken Selisar, approved that, there was a temporary ban for no new uranium mines. That ban is, we're halfway through that ban. So once that is expired, then it will allow mining companies to come onto federal forest service lands and start staking uranium claims and mining uranium right on top of our groundwater source. Uh, And um, so that is the main reason why these public lands need to be protected from mining companies that are coming in from other parts of the world and staking claim on public lands because of the 1872 mining law. So there's a lot of factors involved Within this uh, Federal Forest Service lands that are going to cause a big threat to the water and the animals that live in this area. And so it is adjacent to the National Park. And so uh, it is it, it, they both work together and we need to protect these lands from from mining companies to come in and state claims on public lands. And that's why it's important to declare a monument in this area. Carletta, tell us a little
0: bit about your journey um, with this fight to protect the water and the lands from mining.
2: Uh, My journey Um, My journey's been uh, pretty long, and I've been at this for quite some time, getting old doing this. But um, my journey began in uh, 1984 when I was a teenager, and um, my tribe was approached by mining companies from Canada that were interested in mining uranium on the rims of our canyon home. Uh, happened to be next to our sacred mountain, Red Butte, Wikidwisa. and that area happened to have a lot of uh, very rich uranium underneath the ground. And so these mining companies staked claim on public land, on Forest Service property, and our ancestral lands, and started uh, developing a mine there. And my people were against it. And as a teenager... I was listening to the conversations of our tribal leaders and our elders on how important it was to protect the lands, um, especially near Red Butte, because that is the central, one of the central areas of our creation stories, which identify who we are as Havasupai. And so our teachings emerge from that mountain, and so our elders uh, decided to... um, hike out there, um, travel to the mountain, which took a whole day to get there. And we camped out there. And when we camped out there, our elders taught us younger generation on the stories of that mountain, the stories of the region. And uh, that made a really big impact on me uh, growing up. And my family was the lead spokespersons in in this fight way in the beginning. So I've kind of inherited this, this process and, uh, and learning how to speak out and learning more about my history and my culture. And, um, I started out that journey when I was, um, 15 years old. Wow.
3: Stuart. Uh, same question to you. What has your journey been? Is has, has, it, has it mirrored Carletta's, uh, journey into this level of uh, of activism and, and importance
1: um somewhat not necessarily as lengthy as Perletta's for sure um as a youth i've always kind of um lived in Supai. i always kind of been the black sheep of the village or well my family i should say and always kind of wanted to learn different things and growing up uh, my grandma and grandpa who uh, worked alongside Perletta at one point or another they always asked us to fundraise. And so we would fundraise some money for them, you know, make money and send them off and they would be going to these meetings. They would come back and tell us about it. But as time went on uh, and the pandemic hit, I basically was kind of forced back into Supai during the pandemic. And during that time, um, there was something that drove me to get into politics. And so I ended up joining the Havasupai Tribal Council from there, it was just kind of this thing that was in the back of my mind years before I had been working alongside Carletta. She would invite me to events and so we would go and advocate. Um, but that was fairly short time that I did that until I ended up on the tribal council. And so from there I just kind of reiterated a lot of the things that were said over time and um, you know, my personal perspective on it. So about, I don't know, I want to say maybe about only six years or so, maybe even less than that, that I've been working on this. But I've learned a lot through the whole process, especially while being on the Havasupai Tribal Council.
0: Stuart, you mentioned the Pinyon Plain slash Canyon Mine earlier. What is the current status of that mine and what is happening there right now?
1: As far as we understand, recently we had talked to the Kaibab National Forest Service, uh, one of the members from there. And they were saying that there's supposed to be no activity that was supposed to be happening within that region. Apparently, it's kind of in a dormant stage. Uh, We had always been given these kind of nudges that they were going to start mining uh, sometime even, I think, this year or the end of last year. I want to say roughly around September, we had received uh, information about that. I think they may have put out a press release or something. There was a rumor going around. And... uh, I haven't seen any productivity happening from there. Recently, we were out at uh, Red Butte, and we had seen some trucks going by. But the, again, the national, the Kaibab National Forest Service didn't seem to know anything about those mm-hmm. trucks passing through. There was a possibility that there, that, you know, inkling that they had about it, but other than that, nothing really solidified that that said that uh, Pinyon Plain Mine was actually operating. Mm.
3: Carletta, I want to ask about the history of the the effort to, to protect this area. Congressman Raul Grijalva, who we've talked to several times on this podcast, has been working for over a decade now to pass legislation that would protect at least some of the areas in the proposed monument. And those efforts have not made it through Congress. So why... Now, why, why is the, the coalition of tribes calling for President Biden to step in uh, with an Antiquities Act designation?
2: Uh, yeah, thank you for your question. I believe, um, you know, we have been a part of this anti-Uranium movement for quite some time. And this is our second time that the tribe has proposed a monument to be declared by president. Um, First, it was President Obama, and um, Obama decided to approve another monument, designate another monument over the Grand Canyon. So this is the second stab at trying to protect the Grand Canyon. So um, we felt that this president uh, should listen to the voices of the tribes in the Southwest and we're we're gonna continue to um, ask every president to whoever serves our country is to protect the Grand Canyon. And so that's why the tribes decided to come together again and uh, work together and um, provide uh, reasons why this Canyon, our Canyon homelands need to be protected and um you know we hope that this administration will listen to the original people of this country and all we ask is to protect the grand canyon and if if a president can do that for for our state and for our water i think the tribes be very grateful because it'll leave something behind uh, for the future generations to have clean water And that was the goal of the tribes when we all came together. Arletta, I'm
0: I'm glad you ended with that because I was about to ask you, how did the tribal coalition come together? That is a large number of tribes to get all on the same page, all
2: fighting for the same thing. Again, we as tribes here in Arizona have been at this for quite some time. So we've created relationships with each other. Um, We join each other in different meetings and different settings. And Havasupai has taken the lead on on this anti-uranium campaign. And the other tribes have also uh, decided to work with us because they have a stake in what happens at Grand Canyon. Uh, The Zuni Pueblo. Their original creation story is from the canyon. The Navajo Nation has sacred sites that are significant to their healing process in the canyon. The Wallapai tribe have emerged, have emergent stories, creation stories that come from the Grand Canyon. And they are the Havasupai sister tribe. All the Colorado River Indian tribes and the Kayabab Paiute tribes all have a relationship to the grand canyon as if it's culture if it's religion or it's our creation stories and that's what ties all the tribes together to continue to protect the grand canyon
3: when you consider all of those uh, histories and connections uh it I think makes it perhaps even more remarkable that all of these groups came together to agree on one proposed monument in terms of boundaries. What was that process like uh, to settle on on one unified request to the president?
2: The process um, with working with the tribal leaders has been uh, very uh, diplomatic and uh, very respectful of one another. Uh, We are uh, all Native Americans, but different tribes and different languages. But we have one thing in common, and that's the Grand Canyon. And so it's easy to agree on a goal when you have something in common. And I believe all the tribes wanted to protect these areas because it was an area where our ancestors roamed, and that's what Baj Noavjo Ita Kuuvini means. Is where all our ancestors roamed, and we still roam there to this day. We haven't disappeared. We haven't went anywhere, and we are still here. And each tribe has a historical and cultural connection to the region, and there's evidence to prove it. There's burial sites, there's ancient trails, and there are areas in the canyon that are very special to each and every one of us that deserve protection. Uh,
3: And Stuart, if you could just real quickly, where is the proposed monument boundaries in relation to the existing national park boundaries, uh, if folks are, are looking at a map?
1: If you're looking at the map uh where the current Grand Canyon National Park Service or National Park region is at, to the left of that or to the west of uh South Rim, there's sections above there. There's uh sections on the south um southwest side of um the airport near the airport of Tucson, um, and then the right-hand side of there. So there's different sections that are outlined on the proposed uh, national monument. And
3: this is for either of you, I I think. Uh, How would the the coalition like to see the monument managed? What would successful co-management and partnership with the federal government look like uh, if this monument is designated?
2: Yeah, co-management is, I believe, something new for all the federal agencies and the tribes and um you know we we need to understand um what the goal is when we're protecting our large part of the grand canyon and there're different types of terrain there's canyons there's valleys there's waters there's springs and then there's areas of the plateau where there is a lot of cattle and so we were reminded uh in a discussion with the tribal leaders that A lot of the cattle that is being um, uh, managed on the public lands in the North Rim specifically have um, pretty much stomped all over areas where there were once ancient um, foods, ancient Hmm. uh, rice that the Paiutes uh, lived on for years, and ancient areas where wild tobacco was growing these areas need to be protected um you know we can work with the federal agencies to say please do not allow people to go over these areas so the wild rice can grow so the the ancient um uh plants can still be revitalized cuz that's all we have left now is the foods the connections that we have to, to these areas need to be revitalized and protected. Um, at one point, we did a site visit, um, archeological site visit, and uh, these areas were um, being destroyed. They're being altered. Um, the rock writings on the walls are being uh, graffitied over. Um, those are things that our elders don't wanna see these areas need to be protected. Uh, I I support people that want to go camping on public lands, but if you come across ancient sites, please just stay away from them. You know, those types of things that are all in this proposed monument area need to be protected and that's what I would like to see as a as a tribal leader on how to make plans to revitalize these areas so that the indigenous people can continue to gather their their herbs for medicine use and also to you know properly take care of the environment and, and specifically the water and the springs that are there um yeah. i'm going to ask both of you this question but carletta
0: you i'd love to hear from you first um how would you feel were the
2: monument to be designated? What, what would that feel like for you? If the Baj Jo Itaku Uveni Grand Canyon National Monument was approved by the president, I feel it is important that the generations behind us will benefit from that action. And every tribe will then feel a little better knowing that our ancient burial sites will be protected, our ancient trails will be protected, our waters will be protected within this monument. And I believe that that would be the best feeling to have growing into the next generation. Um, Stuart, how
0: about you? How,
2: how would you feel?
0: Put yourself into the future. Um, the monument has just been designated. How would that feel to you?
1: Yeah, I think if the National Monument were to be approved and passed, it would be an honoring to our ancestors, especially those who have passed our elders. You know, there was one um, comment that we made at the recent public meeting is that our ancestors, our grandfathers, our grandmothers, all of our elders have fought uh, leading us to this point. And for me, it's an inherited... um, trauma effect on the tribe Uh, for individuals, you know, who have to take it in a lifetime, you know, same thing with what what Carletta was saying about she's turning old doing this work. It's very unfortunate because it's us dealing with um, federal agencies that they're just like walls. They don't want, they don't care. They show no emotion. They have no empathy for the individuals they stole the land from who are again asking for the protection of the land that was stolen from them in the name of preservation um so for me i feel like it would be an honoring in the requests that have been done in the past for our elders that have been requesting it um and those that have worked hard up until this point like people like carletta
3: how can folks outside of this tribal coalition help or get involved Uh, and what are the the useful ways folks who, who might be listening to this uh, can, can join in this request.
2: Uh, sure. Um, well, the average citizen in the state of Arizona and across the country can help by signing a petition. And that uh, petition is called keepitgrand.org. And it's a petition, an active petition, that we're collecting signatures to be submitted to the White House. Uh, We need everybody's voice and everybody's effort to to designate this area. And it's everyone's land. And it is not only the native tribes land, but we share it with every visitor that comes to our country uh, to visit the Grand Canyon internationally, nationally, you know, we are known as the Grand Canyon, the Havasupai people. And uh, we want to share it with everyone. So we want your support, we need your support moving forward into the future. Um, in
0: the last few minutes we have here, I want to just make sure that we didn't forget to ask any important questions or see if there's any thoughts lingering on your minds that you'd like to share with our listeners about this monument proposal.
2: Sure. I just wanted to also add that within this monument area is about 598 uranium claims on the north and south rim of the Grand Canyon that are valid. And they are being sponsored by the United Kingdom, um, Canada, um, Australia, and those are international companies coming in to our backyards on public lands, digging uranium and leaving. They are not responsible for cleaning up. They, uh, they just come and take and leave. And that's what the average citizen needs to know, that there is a threat to your public lands and sacred places that you enjoy, you know? And so that's why we're reaching out to everyone across the country and in the state of Arizona to help support the Grand Canyon Tribal Coalition members. Stuart, anything you'd like to add?
1: Yes, I think two things. So one is about the keepitgrandaz.org. That one, I really think that was special because not only are you able to sign a petition in in favor of the National Monument proposal, but you also get a chance to send a message directly to the White House. you know reiterating your message to the president so that's one thing the second thing is um kind of um backing off of what carletta was saying during the recent public meeting there was a fowler i can't remember exactly what her title was but i think it was a cocanino supervisor uh advisory position but anyway she had mentioned that uh these all of these mining claims are based off of our minds in general are actually led by foreign countries and it didn't make any sense and i sat down with her and talked to her about that recently and i told her the same thing you know i've been thinking about the same thing that you were talking about because it's the united states allowing united states federal uh, agencies allowing foreign countries to come in and contaminate regions and then leave just like what carletta was talking about i think that's the same thing it needs to be um emphasize to any listener that, you know, it's us protecting our land so that it's there for the future generations and um, for everyone to enjoy the abundance of all of the resources that are there, whether they be medicinal, um, edible plants or just the beauty of it.
0: Yeah, that's a really incredible point to make, which is that our federal agencies should be protecting um, our first people's over allowing foreign companies to profit yeah yeah it's it seems to be a a really clear ask and, and the answer seems to be really clear so we will be um watching closely to see what happens with this we are very excited for the monument and hope or for the proposed monument and we'll be very excited to see it designated if and when that occurs um, thank you both so much for joining us today. This was a wonderful conversation. I learned a lot, and I'm excited to um, share it with our listeners.
1: yeah, thanks for having us. We appreciate you willing your willingness to tell a story.
2: yeah, thank you for having us on your podcast
0: Well, the good news today is that the Washington Post just put out a story in which a handful of anonymous sources confirmed the president's intent to designate the proposed Bajnoavjo Ita Kukfeni Grand Canyon National Monument. President Biden is expected to be in Arizona this week, so we'll be keeping a close eye on that. That's all for today's episode. You can find more postcards, including short video documentaries about other special areas at roadto30.org postcards. As always, please feel free to reach out. You can email us at podcast at westernpriorities.org. And please do us a favor and review us wherever you're listening today. It helps other conservation-minded folks find our podcast. Thanks again to Carletta and Stuart for taking the time to talk to us about this incredibly important proposal. And thank you for listening to The Landscape.